Well, good morning, church. Once again, we are gathering scattered across the countryside, but nonetheless together in spirit. And I hope that uh, you are all healthy and well. Uh, I wanted to share just a couple of announcements with you this morning before I get into a brief message. And uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about the food distribution that's been going on. And I want to thank those that have been helping. We are distributing food on Tuesdays and Fridays, at least for the next few weeks. Um, it was intended to be uh, in conjunction with the school year, and so we'll see what happens after that. But right now, we're continuing to do that. And so if you wish to help with that, let me know. I do thank those that have been, and I thank you for, for cooperating and helping us to split it up. We had too many helping uh, when they were all coming at the same time. Now, we're a little bit better off with two teams, one for Tuesdays and one for, one for Fridays. And so pray about that effort, if you would, uh, and if you want to help. Uh, please let me know. The second thing I wanted to talk about this morning just a little bit uh, is our family worship services. Last week, we asked that you uh, worship with your family in your home. And, and it's difficult to know exactly how to interpret the metrics that we got out of YouTube or Facebook uh, based on what we did last week. Uh, it seems, if I can interpret them correctly, that about half the church may have participated in that. And frankly, I think that's probably a pretty good Percentage. I'm hoping that that number increases, but I praise the Lord for those of you who are who are sticking to it and trying to stay together on the Lord's day, even if we have to do it in virtual ways. It's just so important that we maintain our rhythm uh, of meeting on the Lord's day. It's it's this, it's so easy for us to drift away from this under normal circumstances. It's so easy for people to fall away from the discipline of, of worshiping God on the Lord's day under normal circumstances. In this circumstance, it's just going to be uh, really, really a problem. So if we maintain our appointment with the Lord 1030 on Sundays, I think it's going to be much easier to pick back up when the ban on gatherings is, lift, is lifted. I did ask last week for some testimonies uh, as to how that went. Let me just share a couple of those with you. Uh, Larry Burton sent us in a testimony. He said, Debbie and I did everything you had outlined. We thought everything went well, and we felt that we had been blessed and are blessed. Jay McHenry uh, wrote that he had breakfast and a Bible ready when Deb sat down. We didn't have the study guide, but we followed along as you read. It was cool. It'll have to do for now. Looking forward to worshiping with the church family together soon. And I do hope that all of you have access to that study guide. If for some reason you don't, with each of these family worship services, I'm trying to provide an outline for you to follow. And so if for some reason you don't have that, Please let me know, and I'll do my best to get it to you. It's posted on the on the church blog, the church website, and uh, that is also what you're seeing on Facebook if you're looking at it on Facebook. And so I hope that you'll go and take a look at that. Cannons wrote this. Larry and I enjoyed the family worship time very much. We found it to be very helpful to have the suggested guidelines to follow, and with the exception of singing, we followed the guidelines. Larry and I should learn to sing without music, LOL. Anyway, we read scriptures. We decided on Psalm 23, as it seemed fitting for these times, as well as Philippians chapter 4, because we liked what the Apostle Paul was saying in those scriptures. Again, it seemed fitting, but we could maybe use some advice on what to read. We also prayed for all on the prayer list, as well as our personal prayer list. We know it was helpful to set aside a specific time as well, otherwise it's just too tempting to put it off until later. We all need this, praying for the time to all be back to church together. We so miss it. Diane McCruskey wrote, Shane and I prayed, and then he read John chapter 3, verses 9 through 21. We talked about it. We also sang, Great Are You, Lord, from Casting Crowns, and then we watched you on Facebook. 
It was a great experience. The Kleins wrote, Michelle Klein wrote, the Kleins participated in home church 1030 as directed, and mom sang her first solo at church, LOL. Afterward, Macy, age 17, encouraged us all to do daily devotions. Today, she said she and a group of girls from school are following a devotion app and asked me if dad and I had started ours yet. Let's just say we are starting today. Thanks, Bill, for taking the time to put the outline together and encouraging us to do church as a family. We appreciate you. Dan Bauer wrote, I led my family as directed in worship Sunday morning. We gathered around the dining room table. We followed the directions step by step. I read the lyrics to Francesca Battistelli's Defender as it applied, and I had heard it that morning feeding the animals. We took prayer requests from everyone, including praises. We each took a turn reading Psalm 91, and I explained to everyone why I picked it. We watched your video, which was really good and well-received. We discussed it. We prayed for everyone's requests and praises, and then Joan closed our service in prayer. Good participation and well-received. Thank you. And finally, Sean Turner wrote, The biggest takeaway, and it was very simple, sharing our requests and fears with each other and praying over those. We got real with each other, brought the family closer together and made the entire service more intimate and effective. If someone would have asked if there were any walls between us in our prayer life, I would say no way. Sharing in that way exposed that we had unknown walls that were hindering us. And so those are just a few of the testimonies that came in this past week. And I believe that they're representative of a couple of things. Number one, this is useful. If we cannot meet together on the Lord's Day as a church, let us meet together individually as families and individuals in our homes. There is benefit in that. And we are still, in a way, still meeting together as a church if we get together all at the same time. And I also learned some things that were missing and things that I could have done better. And so hopefully this week we maybe will have... Uh, short up some of those deficiencies and it'll be a little bit better. If you have testimonies to share, uh, suggestions about how we're doing this, I don't know how much longer we'll have to do it, but if you have testimonies or questions or concerns, please don't hesitate to send them to me. Uh, those hearing this all know um, how to reach me at the church. There's a, any number of ways, so uh, please share your thoughts and uh, let's just keep at this. Well, if you have the assigned uh, order of service today, uh, then you know that there were scriptures assigned this week. And I hope that by this point, by the time you're looking at this video, you've already read those things. You should be at this point in Mark chapter 4. You may have closed your Bible, but that should have been the last thing you read. So if you closed your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up again to that chapter, Mark chapter 4. And in just a few moments, I'll read just a little bit from that again. Because what I want to do today is to build a bit on what we talked about last Lord's Day. That at a time like this, a time when we are scattered abroad, we need to go everywhere talking about Jesus. We need to go everywhere preaching the gospel. That was the gist of last week's thought. And if you didn't see that video, it's still on the church YouTube channel. You can go and take a look at that anytime. But I want to take it a step further today. Because we're all noticing that there's a lot of reactions to what's going on. Many of them negative. Hoarding anything and everything, fighting over silly things in stores. Those who look at social media a lot no doubt have seen videos of people fighting over nonsensical items in stores. There's just so much crazy behavior being exhibited and reported. And the question that comes to my mind as I watch this stuff is why? Why are so many people acting so irrationally, even so foolishly, and, and rashly. 
And the answer that comes to my mind every time I think about this is, is very simple. I think people are just simply afraid. Afraid. I try to go back in my memory to other things like this, hard things that have happened during my lifetime. I'm 62 years old now. And uh, we've had other things. We've had other pandemics in the past, perhaps not to, to the extent of this one, but we have had other pandemics. We have had other uh, situations where many, many people died from a particular illness. Uh, but I don't recall this kind of a reaction, ever. Go back a few years and we underwent the terrible terrorist attacks of 9-11. And that was bad. I don't recall this kind of a reaction. In just, in just a few days, two very important anniversaries are going to take place. The first is the 50th anniversary of my trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. But uh, on May 3rd, 1970, I trusted Jesus as my Savior, which means on May 3rd, 1970, I'm going to be 50 years old in Christ. But the next, very next day, May 4th, 1970, was the Kent State riots. And uh, that was a terrible time. Kent has actually had to cancel their observances of of that 50th anniversary of that event uh, because of what's going on. But even then, back then, I, I remember that it was a terrible time. It was Vietnam War time and all that stuff, and uh, I don't remember it being like this. And the only explanation I can come up with, and this is just my thinking, is the fact that this thing, this coronavirus, this COVID-19, might actually affect each of us personally. We might actually get sick from this. I've read some prognostications that, that, that most of us, if not all of us, will eventually contract this thing. Many have heard the officials in the state of Ohio saying their, their, their uh, guess is 40 to 70 percent will contract the virus. And since, since that means some people will get sick from it and, and some people will get very sick from it and some might actually die, it's a very personal thing. And I think that's the crux of the issue. What people are so afraid of and what is driving so many people toward behaviors that they would not normally consider is at its very core, I think, the simple fear of death. The simple fear of death. This virus forces us to confront it. Things we never imagined happening to us happened overnight and shook our worldview. Empty stores. Things we thought always available and always would be gone overnight. Walls of separation rising between people in a heartbeat. What we took for granted is taken away, seemingly in the blink of an eye. And as hard as we try to avoid thinking about the real issue of life and death, this thing forces us to look it right in the eye, doesn't it? So I thought I'd talk to you just for a few moments today about that. And I hope that afterwards you'll have a very frank, open, loving conversation with those that are with you there about this very thing. You see, as a Christian, I'm not afraid of death. And neither should any Christian be. And that's what we can be going everywhere sharing right now. Not just talking about the four spiritual laws or or, or the ABCs of salvation, but bringing it down to where this thing is right now. We don't have any reason to be afraid of this because we're not afraid of death because that's the assurance that we have in Christ. We can get to where people are today sharing the gospel in that way. We can tell them why we're not afraid. 
So let me share with you just a few things that you might share along that line. A few reasons why we don't need to be afraid. And the first one would be this. We're told we don't need to fear in the Bible. Over and over we're told we don't need to fear. Someone has said, I've seen this multiple times, that there are 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day of the year. Well, that's not really true. I've looked that up. At least that phrase, fear not, does not appear 365 times in the Bible. It appears a little over 50 in the King James Bible. It is no doubt true that there are many other verses that, that, that have that concept in it, but that exact phrase, fear not, does not appear 365 times in the Bible. But we have ample reasons why we can, we can, we can or ample verses that we can turn to that tell us we don't need to be afraid. Fear not. I just, I just picked from the list of, of, of 50 some, the ones that actually use the phrase fear not. Um, we, we mentioned one last week, I believe, in the sermon uh, that doesn't appear in this list. But, you know, the, the Bible says we are not given the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. We talked about that last week. That wouldn't fall into this list. But let me just share a few uh, verses that tell us to fear not. Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, The Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. 2 Kings 6, 16, I, I've shared this verse so many times with those who attend this church that you'll, you'll recognize it immediately. So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Isaiah 35, verse 4, Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Luke 12, 7, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So many people in the Bible were encouraged to not fear, had those kinds of statements said directly to them. Abraham, Hagar, Jacob, the Israelites, Joshua, David, Solomon, Daniel, the women at the tomb who, met, who were told by an angel after the resurrection of Jesus, do not fear. Zacharias, when the angel announced the birth of John the Baptist. Mary, when the angel announced the birth of Jesus Christ. Joseph, when the angel came to him in a dream, do not fear. The apostles were told over and over, do not fear. Paul, the apostle, on a, on a ship during a storm similar to the the passages that I asked you to read today, only, only no doubt much greater storm because it would have been on the on the, the, the Mediterranean Sea and in a larger ship, nonetheless told, do not fear. John the Revelator, when he was confronted with the amazing things he was seeing when uh, he was being given the revelation, was told, do not fear. And so many, 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 many times in the Bible we're told, do not fear. And that's reason enough. But it's not the only reason we have. We also have reason to fear from the things that we see in this passage before us today. And now I would invite you to once again look at Mark chapter 4. I'll just read the last part of that, verses 35 and following. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. 
But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's a simple passage. The passage in Luke is equally simple. It doesn't require a whole lot of explanation. A storm came, Jesus spoke it away, and there was a great calm. It was one of his great and mighty miracles. It was such a miracle that no one who witnessed it uh, came up with any other conclusion but that this was not a normal man. This was God that had done this thing. But there's application to us today. There's application to us in this, in this very situation we face, in this pandemic. Consider, for example, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Jesus' simple statement might not seem like much until you realize who was speaking it. This was God speaking. He said, we're going over to the other side. Let's go over there. And so not only is he telling them something he wants to do, it, it might not seem like a whole lot, but in, implied in it because of who was speaking it is a promise. If Jesus said, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. You can take that to the bank. We're going to the other side. Consider verse number 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He not only said it in verse 35, he demonstrated it now in verse 39. Nothing is outside of his control. Absolutely nothing. He could calm the waves. He can protect from a virus. He could calm the sea. He could stop the wind. He can protect from a virus. And so we have reason to rest in faith and not in fear. His promise of delivering us safely and his ability to do it no matter what comes. And it's important for us to realize something else here. Even if he allows the virus in our lives, which he might, don't get me wrong here this morning and think that I'm telling you God will keep you from getting the virus. I'm saying he will carry you to the other side. Even if he allows the virus in our lives, he's going to get us there. Sometimes he wants us to go through the storm as he did here. The storm may come. The storm may be bad. But still, we are promised safe passage to the other side. And therefore, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. One last thought that I'll share with you is this. I think I see in here also this truth. I certainly see it other places in the Bible. Only certain people need not fear. Only certain people. There's an interesting detail here in Mark. One of the reasons I had you read Luke and Mark is maybe this detail, this, this, this difference would jump out at you because Mark adds something that Luke doesn't include. Verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him. Other little boats were also with him. Now why is that detail there? And why is there nothing further said about those other boats? Did they make it through the storm? They would have been involved in the same storm. If the storm was so bad that the boat Jesus was in was sinking, wouldn't they be in equal jeopardy? Other little boats. 
And the implication, I can't be dogmatic about it. This is just my opinion. I think it's a possible answer. I think that it is possible that it's mentioned to draw a contrast. His was the only boat that did make it to the other side. There's no further mention of those other boats. His boat made it to the other side. No mention of the others. And whether that interpretation is true or not, this statement is true. Only the boat with Jesus in it makes it to the other side. If Jesus is in the boat with you, you have every reason to believe his word, trust him to get you to the other side. But only if he's in the boat with you. Only if he's in the boat with you. And that's, not the, that's the reason that I'm not afraid of the coronavirus, because Jesus is in my boat. He's in my heart. Jesus Christ is in me and has promised to get me to the other side. No matter what storms or troubles might intervene along the way. I mentioned that May 3rd, 1970 will be my 50th birthday uh, as a Christian. 62 years old, on, on, on just this week, on March 26th, but on May 3rd, 1970, as a 12-year-old boy, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. I had come to a place, even as, as, at, at, at 12 years old, of knowing that I was lost, knowing that I was a sinner, that I did rotten things, knowing that I needed a Savior. I listened to the gospel. I heard it. I didn't understand everything about it, but I believed it. And I remember stepping forward in this church and trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. Jesus is in my boat. I'm going to make it safe to the other shore. I, I might get sick. In my position, I, I'm forced to, to deal with a few more people than some might be. I mean, I, I, I suppose it's possible that I might get sick. But I'm going to make it just fine to the other shore. I might even die. Some will. Some are. Some have. But I will make it to the other side. I love the fact that Jesus was asleep here. Another wonderful little detail that our Bible gives us here. Asleep. I mean, what, what a picture. Here's Jesus. The wind of the boat must have been tossing like a cork, but Jesus asleep on a pillow. What an amazing detail. Asleep. Unafraid. Because he knew all was well, and they were going right where he said they were going. I love that. This past week, I was reading in Acts chapter 12 with my wife, Kathy. We, we uh, in our family devotions, read through... Uh, a chapter of scripture every day and, and we were in Acts chapter 12 this past week and in that passage you can go look at that on your own but Acts chapter 12 Peter was put in prison James had been beheaded and uh, Peter was then imprisoned and uh, his execution was similarly scheduled for the very next day uh, but if you read Acts 12 you find out that an angel came and, and, and helped him break out of prison and, and uh, that did not happen isn't a wonderful little detail in that story. If you read it, you find out that the angel walked in the prison and Peter was asleep. Peter was sleeping so soundly that the angel had to smack him on the side to wake him up. Now, I love that kind of detail in scripture because it gives us such peace. He was not afraid. He had no reason to fear. Well, sure, the sentence of death was on him for tomorrow. But he knew Jesus was in his boat and he knew Jesus was going to get him to the other side. He had the promise of that that would carry him. We can trust, we can sleep soundly, we need not be afraid. We will make it to the other side safe and sound if Jesus is in our boat. So what about you? 
Jesus in your life? If so, you don't need to fear this coronavirus or anything else. You need not fear dying. All dying is to the Christian is a change of address. Paul said to be absent of the body is to be present from the Lord. Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus, who was a saved individual, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom immediately upon death. Death to the Christian is but a change of address, a promotion of glory, into glory, a, a falling asleep here and a waking up there. We need not fear it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to give a wrong impression here. I don't like the idea of getting sick or of suffering or of hurting or of struggling to breathe. I don't look forward at all to the process of dying. Nobody does. Nobody wants to hurt. Nobody wants to be sick. But I have complete confidence, and I hope you do too, believer, that whatever process he puts us through here, he'll carry us through. I'll arrive safe and secure. So will you, if Jesus is in your boat. A wonderful hymn was written about Jesus stilling the storm at sea. You may know it. It's called Master, the Tempest is Raging, or in some hymn books, it's called Peace, Be Still. I included the words in your outline to this morning's worship service, and we're going to sing it together in a minute. But right before we do that, I'm going to ask you to do this. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, if you're with your families, if you're sitting by yourself, if you're in front of your computer, holding your phone, whatever you're doing, I want you to do this. Bow your head for a minute. Close your eyes. Don't look at the screen. Look inward. I'll keep talking. You'll hear me. Just uh, close your eyes and bow your head for a minute. Now, unless you're driving, of course, don't do that. But um, I just want to ask you a question. And I want you to be brutally honest with yourself. Are you afraid? Are you afraid? And is it dying that you fear? If so, I have to ask why. Is Jesus in your boat? Are you sure Jesus is in your boat? You see, if there's something good that can come from this coronavirus in your life, it's for you to think long and hard about that question. Paul told the Corinthians that we need to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. We can drift through life and give only a cursory thought to the eternal state of our souls. But when something like this virus comes on the scene, something that shakes us to our core, something that scares us deeply, we need to take advantage of it. Is Jesus in your boat? I don't care if you've been attending church all your life. I don't care if you've been baptized every way possible, sprinkled, immersed, three times forward, one time backward, whatever way you can imagine. I don't care if you're the most faithful member of your church and never miss a Sunday. I don't care if you teach Sunday school or are a deacon or an elder or even a pastor if you are not sure that Jesus is in your boat. And that uncertainty brings fear. You can do something about that. You see, the thing you need to fear is not dying from the virus. The thing you need to fear is dying without Jesus. So if you've never asked Jesus into your boat, you can pray something right now, wherever you are. You can pray something like this. Jesus, I'm a sinner. You have to start there. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I know you died to save sinners like me. 
will you save me? Will you come into my heart, into my boat, and save me? He will, you know. If you pray that prayer, he will. And you'll be safe, and you'll be saved, and you'll be assured of the other side no matter what. And maybe somewhere in the back of your mind you think that maybe you've done that in the past, but you're just not sure. Maybe this has shook you to the point where you're even questioning. Even though you've thought you were a believer for the longest time, but yet that fear remains. Maybe, maybe you thought you took care of this when you were little, but you're just not sure now. I'm going to encourage you, examine your heart. Is Jesus truly in your boat? You might pray something like this. Jesus, I might have taken care of this in the past, but I'm just not sure. And I know I'm a sinner. And I know you died to save me from sin. I, I, I just want to make sure I've got you in the boat with me. Please give me the assurance that I'm saved. And if I'm not, please save me now. Pray that. He'll answer it. He'll save you. You'll be safe. You'll be saved. You'll be assured of the other side, no matter what. Well, Father God, I thank you so much for your word that brings us comfort in all situations. I thank you for the truth that we have as Christians. I thank you for the assurance that we have that says we have no reason to fear in anything. I thank you, Father, because Jesus is in the boat. We can sleep soundly. We can rest comfortably. We can trust completely. We certainly need not fear. And even though we might fear the, the pain or the suffering or the difficulty that could come, those things might shake us a bit. Help us, Father, to have more faith, to trust and to remember that Jesus said we're getting to the other side. And if he's in our boat, we're getting to the other side. And so help, I pray. I pray for all those who might be listening to this message today, Father, if there's even one who is not sure, who is in, in the honesty of their heart is saying, I am afraid. I am afraid to die because I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm ready. Then, Lord, I pray this day they would pray. They would talk to you. They might not understand it all, but I pray in faith they would just pray. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you saved sinners. I pray you'd save me. And I pray, Lord, for those who might be believers amongst us who uh, are also afraid. And right now, in their heart of hearts, they're saying to themselves, I shouldn't be afraid. I should be trusting, and yet they are afraid. And it's forcing them to examine their own profession of faith. I pray if there's anyone like that, that they too will do business with you this day and uh, pray and they might receive the assurance of their salvation at the very least and if they've never trusted Christ and this reveals that truth to them I pray they would be saved this day thank you Lord God for the truth of your word thank you for Jesus in the boat in Jesus name we pray